Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Joining us now to talk the World Cup out of the UK is Dan O'Hagan. G'day, Dan. How are you? I'm pretty good, mate. Yourself? Yeah, good, good. Uh, that was a Brazilian performance that uh, we probably haven't seen enough of in recent World Cups because that's the Brazil that people expect, but maybe we haven't seen too much of, particularly under Scolari. Yeah, the first half was phenomenal. That first maybe 35 minutes, Brazil, they hit their groove. They scored some truly beautiful goals. Um, the 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 third goal Brazil scored tonight was just a work of art. The intricacy, the technique, the finish from Richarlison was incredible. And it's a goal we'll be seeing again and again for years and years. It was, for me, one of the great World Cup goals. And yeah, that, that first half was the Brazil of old. And one we haven't seen, you know, in recent years often enough. But when they do turn it on, as in that first half today, Brazil are boy. Yeah, they they are amazing. They are a force of nature. And uh, Richarlison, you'd have to say, uh, candidates for um, goal of the tournament. I mean, that first goal that he scored in the, in, in the opening game and this one, probably the two best goals so far. Yeah, you know, we forgot the, the goal he scored early on, that uh, super overhead kick in uh, in Brazil's first game. So, so yeah, I think Richarlison, um, OK, they've been without Neymar for a couple of the group games. He came back tonight. But, um, yeah, Richarlison has more than stepped up and, and been well worth his place and scored some, as you say, incredible goals in this World Cup. And we had the other uh, the other quarterfinal uh Quarterfinal matchup, of course, decided with Croatia getting in over Japan. As we heard on the penalty shootout, they will play Brazil. Of course, they were finalists at the last World Cup. I don't think Brazil will be able to pass through them quite like they passed through South Korea. That midfield probably, for me, is still the best at the Cup. Yeah, Croatia are a very strong side. Obviously, they made the final uh, at the last World Cup four years ago. Uh, very seasoned squad players who play at top clubs. You know, you mentioned their midfield. Uh, Luka Modric, still a wonderful, wonderful footballer. And yeah, they'll make it tough for Brazil. I think Brazil will have enough to beat them. Um, I, I think on current form, uh, Brazil have to be in the top three um, contenders, along with uh, maybe in England or, or a France. Um, but yeah, Croatia will certainly be a much more stern test than the, the Koreans were tonight. Yeah, I think so, mate. On that, I mean, obviously England and France will play each other. A lot has been made of um, how England will contain Mbappe. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, Kyle Walker's obviously uh, pretty important there. What's this? Uh, what's the consensus? Uh, do you think uh, Southgate will stick with a back four that he's had all World Cup? Or do you think against a team he's going to have less ball, he'll play that back three with the wingbacks? No, I think Southgate will be a creature of habit and will pretty much keep the same system and pretty much the same team he has uh, for the earlier games in the competition. Um, I think we know that France are an excellent side, but um, England have shown themselves, you know, no team will be watching this World Cup and and fancy playing Gareth Southgate's England. Uh, 12 goals so far, eight different goal scorers. Um, So we can talk about Mbappe and France being 
the team they are, and they are a great team, but England as well, the French will be will have their own concerns and their plans for how they contain the likes of um, Jude Bellingham and Harry Kane, Bukayo Sacco. So, so yeah, I think, um, you know, we can talk about France and all the skills and the players they have, but England too will have more than enough firepower to give the French a few problems. Yeah, and that is a thing that has actually come through this World Cup, and it almost feels like it's uh, it's happened by accident uh, in terms of uh, the way that Gareth Southgate's hit on the best midfield combination. You know, when he plays that three-man <laughs> midfield, you know, it's often been Mount or Foden that's played that ten role. But really, he's given Bellingham a bit more of a sort of an eight and a half. Nine sort of you know sort of eight and a half sort of role and uh, with Henderson in there that sort of freed him up and that, that seems to be the best mix with Rice in front of the defence. Absolutely, I think uh, we saw in the game um, last night. Okay, Senegal weren't an especially strong opponent, but yeah, Bellingham has come of age of this World Cup. He's 19. Um, I'm lucky enough to see him most weeks in the Bundesliga, and we've had him there for three years now, and he's been absolutely superb. And that partnership with uh, Jordan Henderson, the kind of almost master and apprentice uh, last night, was wonderful. And uh, yeah, Bellingham, I think, uh, will be not just at this World Cup, but for many, many years to come, one of the top midfield players anywhere in world football. I mean, the the big question now is, which club does he go to in the next <laughs> transfer window, right? Uh, I mean, I don't know if it'll be January. It's probably more likely to be the European summer that he moves. But Liverpool have been linked a long time. I know United have, have been linked. Uh, so have Chelsea. But now you would expect the likes of potentially Bayern or, or even Real Madrid to maybe start sniffing around. Yeah, I, I hear that the player's own preference would be Liverpool. Um, Bellingham is a player who is very studious. He is very aware of traditional football clubs and wants to be a part of, I think, a club of tradition. And he would see Liverpool as a being a club to fit that bill. Um, whether they could afford him or not, um, we'll have to see. Obviously, there's talk of Liverpool and a potential change of ownership. Um, and Bellingham, Dortmund almost you know, name their price now um, on the back of the World Cup, on the back of a wonderful season in the Champions League and the Bundesliga, Bellingham is now going to be one of the most expensive players anywhere in world football. So, uh, you know, for Dortmund and for Bellingham, it's a great position to be in. But my hunch would be Liverpool would be his preferred destination. Yeah, all right. Well, that, we'll have to see how that uh, battle goes because no Pogba, no uh, N'Golo Kante. France's number one midfield hasn't been there, but it hasn't been a problem for this for them so far. Adrian Rabiot has been one of their most consistent players, strangely, um, given, you know, sort of his profile previously. Uh, is that? Do you think where that game is going to be won? Yeah, I think the midfield is going to be key. And you mentioned there, Rabio. It is an amazing um, about turning fortunes. This is a guy who, at the last World Cup, wouldn't be on the French standby list. He said no. Um, so obviously, he and Didier Deschamps have buried the hatchet, and you know France are, are kind of bearing the fruit of that. Um, but yeah, that midfield is going to be a, a fantastic battle on Saturday, uh, England against France. You know the Bellingham, Rabio, Henderson combination. It's going to be one of the key games of this World Cup. And as I say, for me, the three best teams in it are England, France and Brazil. And we're going to lose one of those teams on Saturday. We are. Uh, the other quarterfinal, of course, that we know at the moment uh, takes me back to one of the standout games of the 98 World Cup, uh, which was the Dutch against Argentina. Uh, these teams, I, I think, are going to be pretty close. Uh, I mean, it could just be as obvious as it sounds that Messi is the difference. Yeah, you mentioned that game in 98, that wonderful Dennis Bergkamp goal. 
Um, yeah, but this one, I think every Argentina game now, it carries this this weight of history. Is this going to be Messi's year? And they've not played well so far, but they've done enough to win matches. Uh, Australia gave them a good game uh, in the round of 16. In the group, we saw obviously the, um, the um, they lost their first game um, and then had to kind of really battle to get through. But as I say, this kind of messy, um, is this his year? And game by game, they'll do all they can to get him through. Um, but yeah, we'll have to see. It's going to be, you know, the Dutch haven't really caught the eye as we thought they might do. I mean, they've had a, had a good competition so far. I think Cody Gakpo has been for them their breakout player. But um, I don't know. I just think in this one, Argentina, because of the messy factor, might just have enough in it to... It may go all the way to penalties, but they may have enough, I think, to scrape through to the semi-finals. Well, it's where they a... might play Brazil. Yeah, well, exactly, exactly. Uh, I mean, and what a semi-final that'll be, mate. Uh, we should have a look at tomorrow's games. Uh, Spain, Morocco uh, has a, a bit of a David and Goliath feel to it. Um, the Moroccans surprised a lot in, in the group ga- uh, group stage, but I think they just won't have enough ball against Spain, will they? Yeah, you'd think that, but. It's been a World Cup of shocks, we know that, but I think now we're in the knockout phase, no second chances. I don't think there'll be a shock here. I think Spain will have enough. We saw in Spain's first game when they put seven goals on Costa Rica, we thought, hey, this Spanish team is going to be you know, hard to contain. They've got nowhere near those standards since, but I'm just sure they'll have far too much from Morocco and they will take their place in that quarterfi- in that uh, quarterfinal. Yeah, and whether that's against the Portuguese or the Swiss, we'll have to find out tomorrow morning. I mean, it feels like uh, Tito Santana, the um, uh, Portuguese manager, is coming to the same conclusion that Eric Ten Hag did, and that's that his team actually performs better without Cristiano Ronaldo in it. Yes, um, I think this is a game I think can go either way. You look at the the Portuguese team, and yeah, okay, Ronaldo's got a couple of goals under this World Cup, but his influence is nowhere near what it has been um, for years and years. So he's clearly a player who has had his best days. He can still be an important player for Portugal at this World Cup, but don't rule out the Swiss. You know, that is a squad chock full of players who play for good clubs in good leagues. They're a wonderfully organised team. Uh, They had a great Euro um, two summers ago as well. Um, and I, I, I don't think this is at all a given that Portugal will go through to play Spain uh, in the next round. I think um, I think this could be a game where the Swiss maybe bring Ronaldo's World Cup career to maybe a crashing conclusion. It would be a crashing conclusion as much as it would be if Tito Santana was the Portuguese coach. Of course, he's the former <laughs> former wrestler. I'm thinking of Fernando Santos. I don't know, I'm getting my my uh, my names mixed up. Sorry about that, uh, Dan. Uh, well, I know you call Bundesliga a lot, mate, and you know a lot of those Japanese players play in that. And of course, even more of those German players playing it. Where to now for the German national team after back-to-back World Cup failures? Yeah, we hear tonight that the um, the national sporting director Oliver Bierhoff has uh, stood down after 18 years with the German FA. Um, it's a funny one because a lot of the German public almost boycotted the competition. They didn't watch the games on television. Viewing figures have been way down in Germany for this World Cup, but. No one thought that team would go out in the group stage. It was, I think, a fairly benign group for them on paper. Everyone thought they would finish with Spain in the top two. Um, but here they are, you know. They went out in the, in the, in the, the first round for the second time uh, in the last half a century or so. And, and yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's a wake-up call. 
I don't think that the squad balance was right. I think they went there with no recognised fit right back. They decided at the last minute to bring in Niklas Fulkrug to the squad as a proper number nine. OK, you can say they lost the likes of Timo Werner injured before the competition even started. But I just think that squad was imbalanced. There were one or two players who maybe um, were over the hill. The likes of Thomas Muller, I think, was maybe playing one World Cup too far for him. But I, I, just, I just think Germany will look back on this World Cup and say... Okay, we went out, but we got our squad selection quite badly wrong. Mm, Yeah, indeed. All right. Good stuff, Dan. Thanks very much for coming on, mate. I I really appreciate it. Uh, Go well and enjoy the rest of the cup, eh? Thank you. Always a pleasure. Cheers. Uh, Dan O'Hagan there with us, football commentator out of the UK. He calls all the uh, Bundesliga for the English language uh, for the world feed for the Bundesliga. So you'll hear him often there on Sky Sports on their coverage of that.